Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. And good morning. It's a beautiful day here in California, and I'm very happy, joyous, and free. I'm not suffering from depression. I'm not blue. I'm not taking a lot of prescription meds. You know, I'm happy because, to no credit of my own, but just through happenstance, I stumbled upon a way of living that uh, doesn't involve killing or violence. So no matter what stupid thing I do throughout the course of the day, and believe me, I do some really dumb things every day. I put my head on the pillow at night and I say, I didn't kill today. And, um, you know, I found a, a better way that doesn't involve violence. And that's our point. We are here today with two Hollywood powerhouses. We are so excited to have Jim and Lori Amos from Scout 22. And we're going to be talking about that greater theme of, you know, creating a culture where nonviolence is normal, not violence, where not killing is normal, not killing. So um, that involves conscious capitalism. And I love, Lori and Jim, that you on your website say, we are conscious capitalists. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, what it means is we promote kind of the yin and yang of coupling business with a ethical mission and we love companies that display that and we love to work with them it's it's wonderful to make money and create revenue and create jobs but we also love companies that are ethical and want to leave a positive mark on the planet and its inhabitants and that's really what we're about at scout 22 and how do you do that Lori? We do that by uh, vetting our clients. I mean, we're, we're, we're naturally, because we say that on the site and we go into a lot of plant-based language and vegan language, um, you know, uh, we just attract uh, those types of um, people. We attract those types of clients and we vet them. I mean, just like you would be going to a job interview and they're vetting you, we vet them. And if there's anything that we find isn't, you know, in line with our beliefs, um, whether it be, you know, no harm to the environment, no harm to people, uh, and no harm to animals, then, then, and we, we deem their product, uh, or service, um, you know, something that we want to, we want to work on because we look at everybody's business like our business. I mean, our, our name is attached to it. So we don't have, you know, our clients' businesses are our businesses. So, um, that's how we look at it. And we just, you know, we did this on purpose. We already had a purpose filled life, but, uh, we just extended that to doing what we love. Well, some of your clients are my heroes. I know you work with Dr. Selesh Rao of climatehealers.org. He is a genius. I believe he's like the modern-day Gandhi. He um, was very instrumental in creating the Internet. He's a Ph.D. from Stanford, a systems analyst, and now he's using that same system to create 
uh, a vegan world by 2026. And he says, you know, if we don't switch to plant-based within a decade, um, we're going to have virtually no wildlife vertebrates, no wild animals with bones left in the wild, only in zoos. And when that happens, it's going to trigger an ecological collapse that's going to make Hurricane Florence, Hurricane Maria, and the wildfires in Malibu and elsewhere in California look like a tea party, that we are really playing with Mother Nature with this industrialized agriculture that kills 74 billion animals and is a leading cause of climate change, habitat destruction, deforestation, human world hunger, human disease. We're playing with fire. So how do you... Um, manage to avoid all the toxic companies. I know you have both have a storied career in Hollywood in public relations in film. You've, you've sort of done it. You've climbed the mountain and then you decided at a certain point, okay, now we are going to just uh, take a new approach because I guess because you could afford to do that in a sense. I can yeah. relate to that, that, you know, for many years when I was a reporter struggling coming up, I didn't really have a choice of, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to take that assignment? <laughs> if I didn't yeah. take the assignment, I'd be fired. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so basically, you hit the nail on the head. We, uh, before I met Jim, I, um, you know, I lived, I streamlined my life. I did, I didn't need much. I, I had a, a, a an apartment in Santa Monica, and uh, when I was ready to buy a house for the animals, I bought in the valley. You know, so we we live in the valley. We, um, we drive simple cars, we don't really need much, and that enabled us to really just not take those high-pressure jobs or take jobs for people who we didn't really want to work with or companies we didn't really want to work with. And um, it really just, uh, the quality of our life improved. I mean, you know, I no longer felt depressed. I felt I had purpose. Um, every day I was trying to make the world a better place. And then also we're, you know, we're not, we're not kids. I mean, kids at heart, but we have a high emotional IQ. And when you meet somebody, we can immediately, we get the, uh, you know, we, we can immediately assess the situation. And then especially how they, they treat uh, us or their, um, you know, their, their coworkers or their products. And if, if we see something, you know, that is against our beliefs, um, then we can back out. Yeah, we do a pretty good job because we both have the experience of dealing with people with companies. Uh, and we, we can usually tell fairly quickly, Jane, who's for real and who's not for real. And if we get a bad vibe for someone, we'll really do, really do our homework and get to the bottom of it and kind of proceed very cautiously with somebody and then wait for them to show their true colors before we even sign on with them. And we've had some who, you know, on the, on the surface seemed perfect, seemed great, seemed mission driven. And then once you kind of blow away the sawdust, as I like to say, they, they reveal themselves and we think to ourselves, this is not somebody that we want to you know, have as a client because they don't share the vision, the mission and the purpose that we do. Right. And for the right reasons. I mean, we get it. This is, you know, we, we believe that you can make money doing this and it's our business too. And we have mouths to feed like <laughs> we have we have a lot of rescue animals. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, hey, I'll match you. I'll match you. We got to get those crazy kids together, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Well, um, I, I just totally hear you. You know, I've had the same experience recently. I was 
I don't know how I ended up in the crime genre, to be honest with you. I was a reporter and an anchor, and I ended up going to a syndicated show that was kind of, a, it was a tabloid show, and I still managed to do animal rights stories all the time. In fact, I got to be- <laughs> Yes, you did. <laughs> I, Robert Redford, these publicists were pushing me away, pushing me. They were fighting him, and he wanted to talk about the whales and the military sonar affecting the whales, and he brushed them off and talked to me. Uh, that was probably my crowning achievement at Celebrity <laughs> Justice that Robert Redford talked to me about the whales. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I ended up in the crime genre, and I didn't really – think about it. I rationalized it. I said, well, you know, we're teaching people about how crimes occur. And I told myself all these stories. And then when I was talking to Dr. Selesh Rao and, and really listening to him, and he was talking about creating a world of normalized nonviolence. And he said, right now, all of our profit structures are based on uh, death, disease, suffering, and uh, war, and then he outlined, you know, it's uh, suffering, obviously, for the animals, death for the animals, 74 billion for food, etc. It's suffering for humans, it's get, they have to get diseases so we can feed uh, all these pills and give all these stent operations. And of course, it's endless war with the military industrialized complex. And then I was listening to him and I was like, oh, wow, I'm part of it. I'm part of it because I'm turning murder into entertainment. That's really the truth when you take away all the smoke and mirrors. You know, somebody else's suffering becomes a show that uh, is entertaining for mm -hmm. people for whatever reason. And I just had this horrible epiphany, and I just said, I can't do it anymore. And that was when I was with Dr. Celeste Rao in Arizona. And, of course, a whole bunch of offers poured in right after that. <laughs> and I, I said, no, but I felt really good about it. Um, you know, I felt kind of bad that I, I kind of knew it all along, but um, it, it takes sometimes, you know, when you're ready to hear something, you can hear it. So um, did either of you have those kinds of journeys? I mean, when you're in there, I see you represented a host of clients. You've represented um, many, many um, big, big names in commerce and in film. Did you guys have that same kind of journey? Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and I knew it was happening, and uh, at the time, um, but uh, I, it was cognitive dissonance, you know, explaining that well, I need to, you know, I, I do, I'm not a trust fund, you know, person. <laughs> I have to, uh, you know, pay my way, and I, I you certainly reach a, a point in your career. I was working for um, a lot of the big advertising agencies, the global agencies, you know, the Grays, the Deutsches. Um, Ruben Poster and, and, and many others and uh, on clients and products and services that I didn't really believe in and for some people who lovely people and some were just not lovely lovely clients and, and people so uh, but I rationalized it that as long as you know I was making money I could donate money or I could take care of my animals so I, I, I did that whole loop that circular loop of, of cognitive dissonance um, and, uh, you know, if I hadn't prepped for really streamlining my life and making the commitment, um, I, I, I just had to get off of that, that, you know, roller coaster or that Ferris wheel. And that, that allowed me to do it. Now we have so many comments coming in. Sarah Siegel says, I have a plant-based pet sitting business, Beach Pets LA. For any vegans wanting only vegans to pet sit their dogs, okay, there's there's a business. <laughs> we have um, 
Another one, Thane Murphy, um, I am vegan as well. Our business is based on organics and a plant-based diet to live a healthy lifestyle. Carol Hannon says, hi from Aventura, Florida. Good-hearted businesses, the way to go. So a lot of people are, you know, I think that there is a whole move. And, and a lot of it has to do with veganism, frankly, meat alternative products, um, dairy alternatives, mm-hmm. to the point where the um, corrupt FDA, uh, which has been shilling for the dairy industry uh, for eons, is now trying to pass a rule that says you can't even call almond milk or soy milk, soy milk or almond milk. You're going to have to call it almond beverage. They did this in the European Union. Uh, Where do you see us going in terms of compassionate capitalism? The Economist labeled 2019 as the year veganism goes mainstream, it's being heralded as the year of the vegan. What's your take on all that? And I'll throw it to Jim. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I thought we'd see a few articles about veganism in 2019, Jane, but then they started flooding in at the end of 18 and the beginning of 19. And it came from everywhere. And you're starting to see some of the, like, for example, I think it was Beef Magazine the other day talked about how plant-based meat was going to be one of the biggest stories for 2019. This is Beef Magazine saying this. This isn't veg news or plant-based news or anything like that. This is their industry. And I think that these industries realize that you, you can either fight this or you can try to take advantage of it by investing in that sector. And I think the smart ones are those companies that are doing that, the Nestle's, the Tyson's, uh, you know, who see this white space and see this, this growth area. And, you know, overall food growth, I think, was up 2% last year. But when you look at plant-based growth, I believe it was a little over 20%. And if you're a good CEO, you're looking at this and you're saying to yourself, how do I get that growth? How am I a part of that? And so you can either you know, try to take a big eraser and erase that word milk off of your Oatly, or you can try to be a part of it. And I think the smart companies are the ones who are going to jump into that pool. Well, it's funny. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I just want to say it's funny you mentioned Oatly because, as I mentioned, the European Union has banned this, the talk of, of soy milk or almond milk. And we went to Berlin this summer to profile the, one of the number one vegan cities. It's incredibly vegan. And Oatly was running a campaign almost on every block, on the side of entire buildings. Oatly advertisements were there. It was almost yeah. like they had taken over the whole city. So obviously it doesn't work uh, to do that. It doesn't work to try to say, hey, we're going to prevent you from saying, soy milk or oat milk or almond milk, and you were going to fool people. People aren't that dumb, um, most people, and it didn't work in the European Union. So go ahead, Lori. Sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, yeah. No, Oatly's, what a great brand. We love, we love their marketing. Um, but, the, but yeah, exactly what Jim said. I think what's going to happen, and it's already happening. It's not, I think it's going to happen. The, um, the large conglomerates, the ConAgra, the Maple Leaf Foods, you know, and, and, and Nestle and everything else, they're purchasing right now the smaller businesses. So they're going to purchase, that's part of their strategy for entering this market, and then they're going to create their own. Some have already done that, and we've all seen the articles in 
and veg news and plant-based news. Um, so my fear for, is that some of these smaller plant-based uh, uh, businesses will no longer, um, you know, have have an opportunity to to be in the space because they'll get eaten up by the larger businesses. So I, I want to talk about that because that's a big controversy. Let's get a caller in though. Uh, Sarah, West Hollywood, your question or thoughts, Sarah? Hi, actually, that was a great segue because my question is, what about persons that have small businesses? Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, What about these mom and pop vegan businesses? You know, some people say, oh, we want to keep them small. You know, my reaction, I could be wrong, is, you know, I don't care whether they call themselves uh, McDonald's or Burger King, if they're not selling animals, if we can get them to switch, it's just a box. I don't want to win for the word vegan. I, I want to stop killing animals. And I think if these big companies are buying up these smaller companies, that means that they are the big companies, the powerful ones are changing. But there's another side of the argument. So what are your thoughts? Well, uh, first of all, yes, yeah, small business. If it's small business food manufacturer, because there's more to vegan businesses than food manufacturing. Uh, but if it is food manufacturing, um, I, I, you know, there's you have to, even though it's a small business and maybe not a lot of uh, capital or maybe it's a startup that, that somebody's bootstrapping, is to really, really, really uh, take the time and do a very, very smart marketing plan and build your brand. Um, that is so important because we see a lot of people and they've been lucky. And when I say lucky, um, you know, they, they, they haven't really had, a, a, there's been an uncontested space and veganism is growing. So they've had some success. But really, when you like pull back, you know, everything and you look at the foundation, it's really not there. And when I say foundation, I mean, you know, do you have a a marketing strategy? Because we see a lot of businesses and it's very easy to tell, you know, do they have a strong brand? Are they hiring the right people? And, um, you know, before the segment where we were live, Jamie, were telling you that a lot of people don't hire the right people to do their marketing or PR or really take the time. They don't see that that it's important. It's an important investment. And um, some of these businesses are, are, are quite large, um, you know, medium size. I wouldn't say quite large, but, you know, medium sized businesses. And uh, it's frankly shocking that they don't put the investment into doing it right. So I would say for a small business, um, you know, just make sure you have a very strong brand and you, you've worked, you know, you have your ducks in a row and you aren't flying by the seat and just know what's out there, know what the competition is doing and really try to hone um, what makes your product not only different, but also answering the why, why, you know, people are buying from businesses that they believe in. And somebody will say it's delicious. Well, you know, my burger is delicious or my, my new chicken nuggets are delicious. Well, they're a lot of them are delicious and they're even making more and more delicious ones, you know, impossible 2.0 is coming out and there'll be a 3.0 and all the competition is coming out, but you have to go back to the why. And I think if you're going to uh, play with, the, oops, sorry, with these larger brands, that's what um, a vegan, a mission driven vegan person really needs to punctuate. I, I think you've raised a really important point. We want to get one quick caller and then we're going to take a break and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the idea that there are a lot of earnest companies that are vegan and conscious capitalists and doing the right thing, but they don't, they don't seem to have the same level of, in, 
of intense efficiency that some of the companies that are destroying the environment have. Um, Paige, Westlake Village, your question or thought, Paige? Um, yes, hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Hi. Um, very nice to see you two on, on board here. Um, it's very exciting. I'm also a, a former publicist and still kind of work my chops. Ooh, the wrong thing to say there. That's speciesism. But let me say this. I, I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about how do we, and I say we because I'm the collective um, promoter, let's say, of the, of the vegan, um, you know, business and entity and, and animal rights movement. How do we reach the non-vegans, the pre-vegans, the people who we want to reach? Uh, you know, how, how do you see going forward in 2019 is going to be the most powerful way to reach the pre-vegans in your, in your point of view. Yeah, I love this question. We have to take a short break, but we're going to discuss that on the other side. Now, we're not going anywhere on Facebook. We're going to remain live on Facebook, and I say that because sometimes the guests get up and they walk away. Um, so let's stay right here. We're going to take a brief break on the incredible Voice America influencers. I always like to thank our executive producer, Tacey, Trump, as well as A-Rod, our man in the control room. Let's take a short break on the radio. We're going to stay live on Facebook and come back in a second. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to Jane Unchained News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. 
Uh, by the way, Rico tells me he's a uh, compassionate capitalist too, right? Uh, <laughs> Rico, uh, he's so cute. many, so many fabulous comments. But you, uh, this is Lori and Jim Amos. They are the founders, and they run this incredible compassionate capitalist public relations company called Scout 22. They represent some major people in the vegan world. Uh, I don't know all of them, but I do know. And the reason I ended up, even though I've spoken to you before, but it, we sort of looped around because I was talking to Dr. Selesh Rao of climatehealers.org. So you're doing incredible work to help people who are really trying to save the planet from catastrophic ecological collapse, not to mention health, human health problems and um, all sorts of um, cruelties and human starvation. You're doing all of that great work, but we have to, if we are companies, there is that bottom line of still make money. And yet it seems like a lot of the, 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 the very young companies, when they start, they're very passionate. It's almost like money's a second thought. It's almost like they're too evolved. Yeah, and they hire uh, people to, or they're taking advice uh, from people who are also evolved, and that's lovely. And and you know we love that the people have the mission, but um, really to take to to really realize this, you need somebody who or a team who have uh, done this before and have the proven experience. So sometimes you'll um, you know you'll hire. Uh, I, I've seen people hire uh, marketing a marketing person who maybe had digital media experience. And, and, you know, for the last five years, they were great at digital media. But you have to ask them, have they ever created a startup from the ground up? Do they have any CPG experience? Do they have any, you know, uh, real life examples? And so they're just focusing really just on the vegan because they want to do, and we do too. We love doing business with other vegans, but it's really important you find the people who have the right experience. And sometimes, um, I know a lot of people are, aren't going to like that I say this, we like to get... Uh, you know, somebody who, who is compassionate, maybe they're a flexitarian, but they, they're going to rock this. And they also get, um, you know, you fill your team with the same people and you keep saying the same message. And I think the other caller who had, had I heard, she was asking basically, how do we get mainstream coverage? And uh, so what I'm seeing now is just a lot of people talking, like a lot of vegans talking with other vegans in vegan publications that all vegans are running. And so, so what you really do, I guess the bottom line is you really need to hire somebody who has that proven experience and, you know, hopefully they'll turn vegan or, you know, if they are vegan, that's great, but you get another perspective, um, you know, because we believe the small changes are really going to make a difference. So we are, uh, our motto is um, a progress, not perfection. And, uh, you know, and I, I feel that that's the way to go is to just be understanding, um, definitely have our eye on the prize. Um, yeah. And, and I think one of the keys to growth is to truly expand the pie out to those flexitarians, the people who may try Meatless Monday or, you know, one day a week to, to try it or, go to a plant-based restaurant or try vegan options on a regular restaurant menu, that's where you're going to hook people to really convince them that plant-based food has that delicious taste and is better for the earth and its inhabitants. And hopefully little by little, you bring them over to our side, but to speak to the Forbes of the world, the business weeks, the times and news weeks, to have them 
doing articles, and they've done a lot of them over the past several months about the rise of veganism. That's how you get into a mainstream. That's how you really bring in everybody across the country and across the world, rather than just the vegan pie that, you know, those are the, those are the believers. Those are the ones who are going to be there with you from the start. But where you're going to grow is to bring in the people from, you know, like I said, the flexitarians, the ones who have a few meals a week. That Reducitarians, are plant-based. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we want, it's, it's lovely, you know, I think what the vegan population is, what, 5% now, we want the other 95, you know, and so we're, we're constantly striving, you know, we'll have clients that say, oh, we have a new, you know, we're, you know, now we're, um, we have a new patty and we've, we've reformulated it. Um, mainstream media isn't going to pick up on that and just being, trying to find those angles, you know, that, that they would pick up on and developing the relationship with the reporters is, is, is critical, you know, so it's really managing clients' expectations and helping them to pull out what is so spectacular about their business. And a lot of it has to do, and I keep bringing back to the, uh, the why, you know, why they started their business and what motivates them. Um, and, and we have some other clients where it's really behind the science, you know, we have, we work with some amazing, uh, scientists and researchers and, um, you know, PhDs and, and doctors and just really amazing people. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I agree that you want to reach the 95%. I'm not trying to win nor, nor any of us, the word vegan. If the word vegan was never uttered again, I don't. I don't care. It's just a description. If you want to say plant-based, I think Kathy Freston with her book, sorry, we've chosen a very noisy truck has chosen to appear here. Uh, But uh, Kathy Freston with her book of vegan ish really hit the nail on the head as people, what we need to do to normalize veganism is to make vegan the norm, let's say in a restaurant. And then the animal products are the outlier, the exception. And I'm already starting to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, to Kaya Organica, you go in there, everything starts out vegan. They tell you it starts out vegan. And then you can attach whatever protein you want to your salad or your bowl. And so you can add dead animals or you can add tofu or tempeh. And that's a, a, an example of a switch. Or the other day I was in a juice bar. I walked in just to get a juice and it didn't say vegan. They didn't seem to be vegan. They didn't talk about vegan. They weren't, pat, you know, but I looked around and just, just so happens that everything in the store was vegan. And so I thought that was a huge breakthrough because it was like a regular juice bar that would normally have a lot of dairy, a chicken wrap. They just had a chickpea wrap. In fact, I even looked at the, I said, oh, darn, it's a chicken wrap. And then I look closely and I go, no, it's a chickpea wrap. <laughs> oh my gosh, this place is actually vegan. Vegan, they don't even know it. Do you see that happening culturally? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to have one really quick thing. I'm going to bounce this over to you. But it's, it reminds me of I'm old enough to remember smoking when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s when people, it, there were ashtrays in, in um gosh, at the doctor's office. Well, maybe not when I was a kid, but they were certainly in the offices and, and, you know, everybody would take a smoke break and that was the norm. And now it's, it's, it started to make these, these um, incremental shifts where there was, okay, no smoking in the office, no smoking here. And now it's like, you know, you're a little embarrassed when you, you know, if you were to had to go buy a pack of cigarettes or something, you're like, Oh God, people don't do this anymore. I want that to happen with, with me. 
I agree, Jim. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that we're at a point right now where even just over the last year or two, the wealth of options, and you've seen all of these, these I, I, go, I go back to a lot of the innovations that a lot of the companies are doing in the UK, for example, and especially in the, the pizza space. And, and this is just one incident, but, you know, Domino's, uh, Papa John's, and I forget the other one that's there, it might be Pizza Hut. The wealth of options they have for vegans, and that's in a down-the-middle QSR pizza place, is amazing. And that, that growth came over just like probably nine months. So when you fast forward another nine months, think of how far advanced from where we are right now that the average restaurant is going to be. And you're right. I think we will slowly creep to that point where we're going to walk in and you're going to have the option not of tofu or, or seitan, but you're going to have the option of chicken or beef, uh, rather than just having that be part of the meal. And you're right about Takaya, you know, and the, they're not our clients, so we're not, we're not extolling their virtues they're for any that. reason other than <laughs> the fact that we love them. But when you walk in, you're right. Here's, here's, here's the options for, you know, your bowl. Here's the options for your protein, et cetera, et cetera. So I see that as really becoming the norm so that people can start off from a plant-based aspect and then add on whichever way they want to go. And I think you'll see that within the next year or two. I wanted to also talk about the movie industry because you were in the movie or are in the movie industry. And I've noticed that there's a lot of vegan mentions. Oh, my Lord. Uh, there's a lot of, I'm referring to the truck. Finally, bye. Have a great day. I know you're a recycled <laughs> truck, so I love you. Um, but anyway, uh, a lot of vegan mentions in coming up in TV shows. I, I watched The Travelers. The Travelers is a show about people from the future who come back to the present and they try to fix things and they're all vegetarian and they say things like, I cried when I found out what they do to pigs here or um, Will you, can you please have fruit instead of that meat? And uh, I, I thought that was such a, a fabulous storyline web sort of woven into this this big uh, series. Do you see that happening in Hollywood, Jim? I do. I don't think we're there as quickly as we should be. I think it should be part of storytelling that you get from, from a director, from a screenwriter, from a producer. And I think that you they have to do a better job at attempting to bring in product placement from plant-based companies as well. I think they have these long-standing relationships with your, you know, your, your beef companies, your Coca-Colas and your other corporations that they've had beer companies, et cetera, for a long time. But I don't know if they've done a good job at reaching out so that we can incorporate plant-based products into streaming into OTT, into film, feature films. The only mention we used to have on <laughs> any kind of uh, compassion in films is at the very end when you saw the little thing in the credits that said no animals were harmed in the making of this film. That was it. <laughs> and I didn't know whether to actually believe them or not because they could say that. But, you know, when you saw these scenes of the cattle uh, in a old Western, <laughs> 
you knew that they didn't just roam across the the, the plains on their own without prodding. So oh yeah. I mean, and, and that organization has been the subject of scandals and exposés and uh, claims that they're in bed with Hollywood and that you can't trust that. Uh, I invite them on any time. I don't know. I'm not there on set. You know, we, we see occasionally stories about certain films where people complain. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I wish and I hope that they prevent what looks like sometimes – uh, horrible scenes involving animals. Thank God for 3G, what do they call that? CGI. CGI, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now we're seeing so much where I, I, when I go to the movies, I'm always asking my girlfriend, do you think that was a real animal? Oh, no, that's CGI, Jane. Chill out. So, but I also, I also worry about the insinuation on that. And, and it may be wonderful that it was done by CGI, but I just don't like seeing animals harmed in movies if it wasn't real, even if it wasn't Wait, real. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that, that is a little bit unsettling because I just worry about the people watching that thinking, is this entertaining? Is this, is this acceptable? Uh, so I, 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 I do worry about that. I think we need to do a better job in movie. And let me ask you a personal question because this is on my mind. So you guys play with the big boys and girls. You are... Um, you know, we interview people from all walks of life, people who are literally doing some of the most amazing activism, but they're living out of their cars, uh, people who are philanthropists. And, you know, you are in the Hollywood um, sort of corporate world. You And I have found just this appalling uh, lack of empathy uh, amongst the best and the brightest, which you know, th- I remind everybody that was a sarcastic title. If you read the book, it was like, yeah, this is what the best and the brightest got us, the Vietnam War. But, I mean, the best and the brightest who should make the connection so easily between um, animal agriculture, for example, and uh, the destruction of the Amazon and other areas to grow cattle, to uh, uh, the factory farming and the impact on the water and on the air, uh, the fact that it's an inefficient food system, and yet even the most liberal and progressive people uh, in media and the corporate world seem to just mock the entire idea. Do you get that blowback? Do you get sort of, oh, you know, that kind of, um, that, 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 that sort of mocking attitude when you try to bring up these issues? Yeah, yeah, and certainly we see that, and it's frustrating because you think they're, um, you know, you you know that they have a high intelligence, that they're they're driven, and uh, you know, if they were to just really um, use that for for good, um, how great would this world be? But unfortunately, you know, just because they call themselves a liberal or they, um, you know, maybe they, they they do some things that are 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 decent, but they again have that cognitive either they either have the cognitive dissonance uh, or they simply don't know or care to know. Uh, and that's frustrating. But you, we have been seeing more and more, and really pay attention to this, more and more C-level executives and uh, entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, that um, are displaying, that really are the real deal, and they display um, compassion and empathy. Um, and, you know, they're, they're the businesses that are going to be in it for the long haul. Um, we've met some people, too, who are, you know, call themselves vegan and, and uh, 
you know, they mean and and pro environment. Meanwhile, you know, they they donate to an administration that is doing awful things for the environment. So we, you know, there's, I, I can't wrap my head around it, but there's a, there's, there's a number of them that do this. Oh, yeah. And, and what about you, Jim? I mean, because, you know, uh, there's a lot of studies that show that uh, it's easier for women to go vegan, that because uh, meat is so tied in TV commercials and in just our culture to masculinity, which is nonsense, because actually the overconsumption of meat not only causes heart disease, but it causes erectile dysfunction. I always try to point that out. <laughs> but I mean, what about you? When you go out there and you're talking to these big shots, for lack of a better word, do you get a sense, you know, as I have had for many years that like, I, I love when they go, I love your passion. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's not about me and my passion. It's about facts. Like, the world is about to hit a catastrophe if we don't stop animal agriculture. This is serious. It's like you're trying to wake somebody up, their house is on fire, and they're they're telling you, you know, no, just let me get a let me hit the snooze alarm and go back to sleep for a little while. Yeah, I come across it a lot. And it's not only meat, Jane. There, are, I have a lot of acquaintances who have really cut back their meat consumption, but then they've turned to seafood. And then you try to tell them the terrible effects that fishing is having on our oceans and the sustainability of our fish and how that supply is dwindling at a alarming rate. <clears throat> so it's, it's not just meat. It's also seafood <clears throat> and chicken as well. A lot of people are, are switching from meat to what they think is healthier options in chicken and seafood, but they don't quite make the connection that as far as the planet is concerned, oftentimes that's as bad for the health of the environment as eating meat is. Or worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you're absolutely right. In fact, that's one of the main reasons why the number of animals killed is not going down because obviously a cow is much larger than a chicken. And there are people who are literally eating chicken, uh, you know, two or three times a day. Chick-fil-A, unfortunately, is just taking off. They built two right where, near where I live, and I'm just like horrified. Mm -hmm. uh, and Chick-fil-A is invited on any time. But no, a chicken is not a vegetable. Fish is not a vegetable. And... Um, yeah, it's just frustrating that in, that so-called environmentalists. I mean, we watch on mainstream TV, um, even progressive channels. They're talking about terrible that we're trashing the Paris Climate Change Accords, which I agree it's terrible. And then they go on to joke about you know how much meat they had for Thanksgiving or for yeah uh, holidays and. Um, actually almost act like promoters of the meat industry. I see this over and over again. Um, what do you make of that? Is it just because on a, that they're smart enough to know who their advertisers are? I think that's a part of it. I, I really do. I think that they may pick and choose their spots as far as what to have their viewers focus on and worry about overloading the viewer on too many messages. And you're right, though, this is, an, this is a vital message that needs to get out there. And I am disappointed with a lot of the more liberal outlets that I watch that they don't, other than mentioning the Paris climate, like you said, climate accord and how 
at Davos, they really didn't focus on it at all, other than that wonderful young lady who gave the speech. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, she gets off the stage and then they talk about business growth. And, you know, they don't talk about feeding the world as much as they talk about where the next new economy is going to come from and what happens with the big five. And they, they seem to forget the second part of all of this. And that is the effect that what they're discussing at Davos is having on the planet. Yeah, one, one, um, one thing that I wanted to point out is uh, we have like firsthand knowledge of this with a family member who is uh, two family members who consider, uh, you know, they have a, a very nice ha- uh, home and business in, in Laguna Beach and they run in the uh, creative circles um, and they consider themselves environmentalists. You know, when one drives a Prius, the, uh, they, they don't, you know, use plastic straws. Uh, but yet when I tell them, you know, what, what, um, what's happening and maybe because I'm so close to them and I'm telling them in a way that is, they tune out, you know, because I'm so like, I can't believe you can't see this. Um, it doesn't resonate with them. It really doesn't. And I, I can't believe it. And my own family members, I'm trying to t- tell them, you know, look, here's facts. And, and uh, they just tune it out. And I think that, that you know, they're, they're only going to hear it from other people, unfortunately. Sometimes family members are the worst for people to hear it from. Or if your delivery is heavy-handed, um, you know, so it's tough. Well, what, what yeah. well, I just wanted to say that everybody who is a vegan – shares that same dilemma. And I had an insight uh, because I have one of our many contributors who are Jane Unchained, we have more than 70, and her handle is Animal Hostage Negotiator. And I was like, what the heck? And she said, yeah, I've studied the FBI negotiation techniques. And uh, they have to get people who are holding uh, the bank robbers who are holding guns to people says to put down their guns and walk out. They can't afford to lecture them or yell at them. So we need to use the same techniques that they've honed over decades of dealing with actual hostage takers, terrorists, etc. We need to use those same techniques. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, we've actually been, I've been listening to a book about uh, how to hostage negotiate. But one of the things that they, they point out is that it's very hard for people who know somebody to take advice from them because they take it personally. They, they accept it as a personal attack. And so what I try to do now is just talk to people on social media. I've let those, those are not the low hanging fruit. They are the fruit that you pull on the vine and they, they stay there right on the tree because it becomes a power issue and it becomes a personal issue and they start getting very defensive so i think we should all stop talking to people we know and go to go after people we don't know <laughs> right and and i think that how emotion this, out of it sometimes yeah you're right and i think that what's going to help jane is the amount of celebrities politicians who are vegans and who are trying to do such wonderful things eric adams in brooklyn he's the brooklyn borough president what great work he's done for new york uh, in that vein and you know when you look at somebody like even beyonce and ellen degeneres and the wonderful work that leonardo dicaprio has done and Woody Harrelson and Natalie Portman. When people see these people that they follow on social media, that 
they listen to what they say. That I think sometimes resonates a lot more than if I'm calling up a friend of mine saying, do you know how many gallons of water it takes for that hamburger you just finished? Because you're right. I think they do tend to dismiss you when you're out of it. And there's so many, you know, back to the movie question. I think, you know, one of the things, I mean, you saw Oksha, right? Um, Can you pardon say it again? Oakja, you Okja. saw Oakja? Oh, I saw Oakja and I sobbed. I sobbed like a child and then I went live. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm going to catch my tears while, uh, <laughs> <laughs> while uh, because really the emotion is what's so important. Um, what we tell all of our contributors on Jane Unchained is let's not attack companies, let's not make accusations that can get us into legal trouble. Let's just talk about the feelings because when people talk about how they're emotionally impacted, that has so much more resonance with people than, you know, 75%, even though I do cite statistics from time to time. It was brilliant. Uh, absolutely a brilliant film. Uh, incredible. And one other thing is there was an announcement two weeks ago that the British version of the Academy Awards is called the BAFTAs. I'm sure you're familiar with it. They nominated for best short film, a film entitled 73 Cows. And it's only 15 minutes and it does in 15 minutes what I, I just wish everybody in the world would watch that because it's a very personal, emotional story of a uh, farmer in the UK who decided one day to switch from cattle farming to um, plant farming because he just, you know, couldn't put his cattle through what he had put them through. Yeah, and that's another thing that's happening as part of our overall movement is we have chicken farmers who, again, Dr. Selesh Rao, he's opened my eyes in so many ways. He says, you know, they're farming humans too. Uh, and they put these chicken farmers into these onerous loans and they pit them against each other. So they're trapped too. And now with climate change, their warehouses, which are not farms, they're just warehouses, concentrated animal feeding operations, um, are getting flooded more and more because of climate change. So they're desperate. And let's be real. It's a lot easier to raise mushrooms than it is 100,000 chickens. I mean, we have three rescue dogs and a cat and it's a lot. It's like a full-time job. Um, and you can imagine 100,000 chickens, you know. So, of course, it's uh, a nightmare. It's a nightmare for them. And they're trapped in it. But we're helping them get out. We've got a caller, Elizabeth from Chicago. Your question or thought, Elizabeth. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Hi, I'm calling from Chicago, and I'm a radio host there. And I'm wondering, when I talk about plant-based and vegan issues, I try to hit it on every angle possible. So the animal welfare angle, the environmental angle, the health angle, even the financial angle, of course, because it's pretty expensive to be sick. And then we have all of our subsidies going to things that make us sick, not things that make us healthy. So I try to tackle it on all angles. But here we have these PR experts. I'm wondering if they think one angle is better and more impactful to to reach people. I'll just say I ask this because I think change always happens from the ground up and consumers have to make that change and people follow the dollars. So what would be the most ex effective angle to take? That's a, that's a very good question. And I guess the most effective angle would be basically on the, uh, the viewership and what their demographics are. Um, certainly in the male demographics, it would be uh, um, uh, 
and male and female would be the environmental. So we tend to lead with the environmental impact because that impacts, you know, everybody, um, man, woman, and child. And uh, for, for more of a, a male skewed audience, um, it, there's a lot of uh, information and, and research and statistics now out about um, athletic performance. Uh, so mm -hmm. that that's certainly been something that re has really resonated with with uh, the public, and um, and then of course health. Um, we we then um, intersperse our message of you know the the compassion angle, um, but but I think those those three are the ones we typically lead with. But again, we really need to you know figure out who the demographics are for that particular um, you know broadcast. And Shannon. Mm -hmm. yeah, Florida, your question or thought, Shannon? I just had a quick comment. I just wanted to say that that is such great advice to uh, not focus on the people that we know because that can be so exhausting and frustrating and it can really bring us down. And so we can miss a lot of opportunities and those people will eventually get it. We just keep planting seeds and planting seeds and someday they'll grow. But thank you so much. I really needed to hear that today. Oh, thank you. And I also block them. <laughs> you can do that, too. <laughs> that helps, too, because you're not waiting for that, that response that never comes. Honestly, you know, send somebody an email, send them a text with information, trying to hit them on any front, and you never get a reply. They shut down. And so I block them after a while. I'm like, no, communication's a two-way street. You can't just tell me about, oh, you know, when you were gambling in Las Vegas and uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas or whatever. But then when I'm trying to tell you the world's going to end in 10 years, if you don't change your habit along with everybody else, you don't respond. Uh, so I have been blocking people. Um, but thank you, Shannon from Florida. So, you know, we're getting to the end. Uh, this has been such a fun conversation. What advice would you give to those people who, who want to get out of the nonprofit world and, and actually be part of the economy, the veganomy, uh, which is so important. And uh, what would you tell them? I, I know you say hire the best people, even if they're not vegan, if they're vegan-ish, but what are some other tips or main problems that you see? We, we tend to see a lot of companies who think that, and we like to call them PR stunts, like one thing is going to make their company. And that very seldom works. You have to have a good foundation for your marketing. You have to have a good understanding of what your sales plan is going to be. There's, it's multifaceted. It can't just be everybody's going to come and buy my, my product because there are a lot of other people, a lot of other products looking for consumer eyes to, to purchase their, their products. And you have to stand out by having a clear vision for who you are and more importantly, why you're in the marketplace. And it all gets back to the why that we've talked about a lot in this hour. And that is, why are you there? What, what's, what's making you different from the next? And that's really important. Yeah. And um, what I, what I want to say is that uh, your advice and your, your work is so crucial because we can't all be in the nonprofit world. Um, we have to be part of the economy. We have to bring conscious capitalism to the world. 
because time is running out and time is running out on the show and it's running out on the planet too. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. I know you're two very busy people and I know this was a long time. This was at an hour show. I am so excited that you joined us. I feel like we had the adults on today. Um, uh, and I'm not well, talking about having us on. And Oliver. And Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just so great to hear all your strategies and your thoughts and Scout 22, an incredible company. Go to scout22.com. Check them out. If you have an up-and-coming vegan business, you want to uh, reach out to them, and they'll see if uh, you guys could work together. So thank you again, Jim and Lori Amos. It's been a real honor having you on. Thank you, Jane. Our pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. Talk soon. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.